everybody. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 89. Tonight we're going to be doing a field guide to 1982. <laughs> um, here with my co my name is Gabe Essel. I'm here with my co host Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How are you guys? Pretty good. Good. Um, so, Rocky, Buzz Aldrin, and the 1982 Milwaukee Brewers all have something in common. They know the feeling of being runners up. But even Rocky eventually became a champion, and Buzz soon followed Neil Armstrong out on the moon. But that's more than can be said for the 82 Brewers. Though they lost the World Series to the St. Louis Cardinals in seven games that October, players like Robin Yount, Paul Molitor, Gorman Thomas, Raleigh Fingers, and Pete Vukovic still managed to give a city a lifetime's worth of memories that would just have to suffice because, well, this was it. In contrast, some fans have forgotten about more Cardinal championships than the Brewers have won. But for the Brewers franchise, which has traversed two leagues and four divisions, this World Series defeat is their pinnacle. This is a team remembered and revered like no other up in Major League Baseball history. And to share with us his memories as a Brewer fan is Milwaukee, uh, I'm sorry, Wisconsin native, Pauly Matushik. Pauly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Uh, Paulie is also the lead guitarist in the People's Brothers Band. People's Brothers Band. People People Brothers Band, excuse me, <laughs> which just released a new record, Love Electric, now available on CD and iTunes. You can find Paulie on Facebook. Check them out. Also, check out the band at peoplebrothers.com to find tour dates and more. And Paulie, we're glad to have you here. Thanks so much for hanging out and talking baseball and music with us. Awesome. Well, thank you. I'm honored. Yeah, good deal, good deal. Um, well, you know, uh, you're a Brewers fan, and we'll talk about 1982. There's also, I think, sounds seems like right now, um, I would say entering the 2018 season, I think the Brewers are the hot pick, man. I mean, it's uh, the, the spotlight's on you guys right now. I mean, everybody's everybody's talking up the Brew Crew. Yeah, I mean, the yellowish uh, trade... I'm pretty excited about that, maybe more than anything coming in here. Sure. Yeah, yeah. no, he's a game changer, man. That's uh that could be one of the biggest could be one of the most beneficial off season trades, I yeah. think. Yeah, he's an immediate difference maker. He seems like a yeah, brewer too. Yeah, they they're stacked in that outfield. Um maybe a few more moves to come up, but uh Yeah. Yeah, some bubbling excitement I haven't felt for a few years. Yeah. It seems legitimate, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean, I'm, as a Cubs fan, I'm worried. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's not, you know, it's not going to be easy games against the Brewers or anything. Yeah. And, we'll, um, we'll see. Schwarber <laughs> 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 <No. laughs> down like 40 pounds. Yeah, I don't, you know. <laughs> That's scary. The talk is that they're still shopping them to everybody. Really? You know? Yeah, I mean, the talk in Chicago is that, <laughs> like, he's got the legend of, of the Schwarber thing going for him, but, like, his production hasn't wasn't there last year. So they're like, a lot of people are like, trade him while you can. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. I, I didn't know, like, the, the talk was still out there. I thought that just kind of died down, and they were just going to let him ride it out this year. Um, huh. I wonder what they'd he's, want. He's their biggest trade piece. Well, sure. Yeah, I wonder what they'd want though. Like, what are what are the gaps? I would cause... say some 
awesome pitching of some kind, either a starter and a reliever or a few relievers or Do you that. need an, you need another starter? Nah, I don't know about that. Since we who'd we just get? I forget. We just signed um Well you just signed Darvish. I mean Yeah, we just signed yeah. Darvish. So yeah. but yeah. I don't know. The the offense has to come around or we're not going to be good at all. It, it, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to spring training. I'm going to be there in like <laughs> and I'm going to be gauging what I feel like this season's going to be. It's yeah. going to be tough, but I only have two games to do it, but it might be hard. I, to I just, yeah, I just hope the hitting is there because the hitting was disappointing last year. Sure. Yeah, you're just a little slow start. It, it ended up being there pretty. Yeah. There are people that aren't Cubs fans, it, the hitting was there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Relatively speaking, no, yeah, yeah. You guys, I, I, you guys might as well be series. like, yeah. My, my, my expectations are like up here now. I know. I mean, understand. I'm for sure. Definitely understandable. Yeah. Com- compared to my team, both you guys might as well be like the, the Mickey Mantle era Yankees. All right. So, yeah. well, one so, of the games yeah. I'm going to get to see is against the White Sox. And I'm looking forward to that because I want to see the White Sox. Because, I mean, you, got, you, you guys see all the young. Guys. Yeah, yeah, you have a lot of really good young guys that could be, yeah. you know what I mean? I could be seeing future stars or, you know, yeah. maybe a potential Hall of Famer or something. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, it's it's all still kind of, well, not all of it. We have a few guys up, but it's it's in the pipeline. But anyway, um, <laughs> so let's, uh, so that's 2000, I jumped to 2018. I guess I'm so excited to, uh, <laughs> to start the baseball season, but let's take a trip back back guys to 1982 um uh, paulie can you share with us some of your fondest memories of the 1982 season and maybe even i talked a little bit about this in the introduction but sort of kind of the lingering feelings that um that persisted among brewers fans after 1982 as well sure uh well i can the first thing I can share about you is about with you is that '82 is the first year I really like started to like understand sports as yeah. a kid, um, and my first thing with that was the Packers, and I didn't really get the NFL strike going on and this and that, but the Packers were good then, and then that brings me back into the Brewers thing, and it wasn't until like after the World Series was over that. I realized that the Brewers were a Wisconsin team, and that it was like, really was my team because <laughs> everyone just like the Brewers are really good, and everyone watched them. But for some reason, I, I don't know if I didn't get that Milwaukee or something yet. Is I think I was when that went down was I guess seven. I should have known six. Seven. I should have known that, but looking back, it was like, as a little kid, I guess sports just finally got on my radar at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really wasn't. It was. It was more. Oh, hey, kitty. <laughs> <laughs> more in '83 when I started to really grasp '82, and that came into focus with I was given a white batting helmet. With the Brewers ball and glove logo, and it said '82 AL Champions on it, but it's a like a plastic batting helmet. Mm-hmm. So that's sweet. Yeah, and then like, oh, that's my team. 
That's my team. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, um, t- uh, the the run up to get there, they they played the Angels, right? Yep. I think in the in the yep. okay in the playoffs. Sure. Yeah, and then uh, go into the series. Then um, also, let's talk a little bit about the World Series MVP was Vukovic, right? I believe, or was it Yao? I'm sorry. Sorry, the, the uh, uh, ALCS. Yeah, uh, ALCS is. That might be Yount. Okay. All right. So Vukovic won the Cy Young Award that year. Ah, right, right. And then Yount won the AL MVP Award, correct? MVP, right, right. Okay. And uh, and Vukovic won, won, did he win the MVP the year before? It says the 82 ALCS MVP was Fred Lynn. Oh, from Baltimore. Oh, okay. No, from from the Loot. California. Oh, from Anaheim. Okay, Fred Lynn was yeah. played in California. He was on Angels. Though. It, yeah. So it was got 83 it, when it. Fingers won the Cy and the MVP. So that would have been 81. That would have been 81. 81. 81. Thank you. Thank you. Because the Brewers were horrible in 83. So that was Sorry, a rough I'm, That was a rough swing for you as, as a kid getting yeah, into sports. I think they fired. So the other thing that I, as a kid, I remember the Brewers being like going through managers even when they were good. Yeah. Like so, like Bamberger at like sick or something. Could Buck Rogers got fired? So Buck Rogers started out at '82 as a manager, if I remember. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then he gets fired, and then it's Harvey Keen. But there's a George Bamberger's like in there too somewhere. But that was like the year before, and then like the year after again. There's something like that. Because the Brewers were raking as early as the late 70s. And, yeah, they were yeah. from like 78 on or something like that. Yeah, right. but they were still peddling through managers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of the best, best one of the best AL teams from, uh, you know, 78 to like 80, 83, right? 84 around there. Uh, um, and also... Um, with with uh, it was uh, it's beer towns as well. That just occurred to me that it's was dubbed. Let's say what the Sud series, right? The Sud series, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just just was like, oh yeah, those are the two the two largest beer towns. Yeah. Well, um, now, now you guys are in the we're all in the same division, right? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. Crazy how that works. Um, as far as uh. 82 and then like Brewers playoff appearances after 82. 89? Did they? Or, or Yount no. got the MVP again in 89, right? They had a pretty good yeah, squad then. Uh, no, not 89. 1990. Okay. Or, or not, no, 92. I'm sorry. 92 when uh, with uh, Phil. Uh, the manager uh, anyways uh yeah. 82 and 89 82 and 89 okay all right oh the mvps yeah i'm trying yeah. to almost went to the playoffs, playoffs. Yeah. Well, one cruel yeah. irony for the brewers is that they lost that the cool. nlc the 2011 nlcs to the cardinals yeah Bastards. oh yeah I, I, I forgot i forgot they were that close um uh, that was like when they would have had like Fielder would have still been playing for him, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. 
Niger Morgan was yeah. on the team. Yeah, yeah. As a Cubs fan, I share your hatred for the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a it was such a um uh, uh a contrast of styles in the 82 series because the Brewers were these mashers and they won the first game like 10 to nothing. And, and then the Cardinals are just these speed demons, um, moving guys around the bases. And of course, Bush stadium at the time was 99% AstroTurf. Right. Um, yeah. Isn't that what the McGee's coming out party are? Yeah. Kind of yeah. Gross? McGee had some big games that year in the uh-huh. series. Um, Yount is uh, a cool fact about Yount is he's the last player to hit a home run when he was 18. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Bryce Jones and Andrew Harper are the last two that have done it, but they were both 19. Oh, okay. Damn. Man, he was so young. So Yount moved from shortstop to the outfield. Uh, When was that move? 85. I think he had to do with his knees. Knees, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. 85, um, 86, 85. There's a, <laughs> uh, there, there's a, uh, a YouTube video of, you know, he caught the last out of Juan Nieves no-hitter in 87. Yeah, I and was he, watching that. I watched that whole game as a kid. I had a TV on a desk in my in my uh, bedroom. I watched watched that. It was a fascinating game. <laughs> I think you're wrong, but I think Dale Swain homered in that one. For one of the seven runs. Maybe Glenn Braggs. Nice. Nice. But but and yeah. Yount made a diving catch to end it. Yeah. Yeah, like storybook catch kind of. But he cla- he's since claimed that he didn't really need to dive, that he just wanted to make it look dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yount seems like a fun guy. Like he's, he you know, he gives good interviews and yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. he's, he's kind of comes across to me as like uh chuck norris's lethargic kind of stoner brother <laughs> <laughs> he does have chuck norris like features doesn't he <laughs> yeah. Yeah. chuck norris's brother that like serves and smokes doobies i get it <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, he's always yeah, he always had a good curly mullet as well, yeah. you know. Yeah, I saw a few years ago. Uh, I believe it was the Major League Baseball Network was replaying like old like old games like that. I remember watching like a 1981 or maybe it was again a game against the Angels that was at County Stadium and every single pitcher. There's Brewer relievers I didn't know who they were. And they, every single one of them had it all looked like the porn. Porn guys, bushy hair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like they were party, like looked like big time party was going on. Right. <laughs> I, was, I was like, wow, that's a... looked like an advertisement for brute aftershave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at you look at the footage of Vukovic. Is it Vukovic or Vukovic? Vukovic. Vukovic. Um, and he looks like uh, uh, Seth Rogen from Pineapple Express or something. Uh, <laughs> up on the mound he's such a he was such an odd uh presence on the mound you know usually a guy like that he looks like a catcher uh physically he looks like a catcher and uh yeah he's just up there slinging right yeah. I, well he's at my favorite line in major league when he comes to when he comes to where he's at bat and asks him 
How's your wife and my kids? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that at the plate. <laughs> that, that was him? Yeah, Vukovic was the Yankees home run. Yeah, hitting. yeah. He was the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nice, <laughs> nice. Just talent just wafting off of him. So, um, and one thing I didn't realize that uh, um, in '82 they didn't even have Raleigh Fingers because uh, he was he was on the DL. Injured, yeah, 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 and he missed a lot of or all of '83 as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vukovic started off '83 and pitched maybe like three games or something. He was done basically for the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, then they trade away Garmin Thomas, I think in 83, the Mariners. And it just yeah. is all sad and downhill. Wow. And so yeah, it all went in the tank really quick. And so what's it like, uh, you know, alluding to what we were talking about in the intro where you have a team and note, in baseball, there's only three teams that have made it to the World Series and haven't won, and that two of them are the Rockies and the Rays. There's plenty of teams haven't made it to the World Series, but only three have made it and lost and not won. Mm. Rockies, Rays, and the Brewers, and the Brewers, of course, have gone now 36 years, um, you know, plus when they started. Um, right. So, what's that like to, you know, forever be uh, honoring this team that ultimately finished second and just kind of working with what you got? Uh, yeah, it's been something to, I've kind of grew up being used to that feeling. Like, uh, for example, is it 89 when Wrigley hosted the ninth All-Star game? Uh, might have been 90. 80, 89 80. or 90. Yeah, you're right. Uh, for example, I stayed up all game late to see the... I forget who the manager is, but the Brewers being in the AL to put Dave Parker, our only representative, in the outfield, which he didn't play at all, mm-hmm. and just watch him like kind of stand out there and he blew a big bubble. <laughs> up, you know, Dave. <laughs> that's what yeah, I was, as a Brewer fan. Like they signed Dave Parker, Franklin Stubbs, and I'd have to be. A, really big Franklin Stubbs fan all of a sudden. <laughs> well, how, many, how many Stubbs jerseys all of a sudden? Wow. That's, that's pay attention to for a season. That's wow. kind of something right there. Right? Hey, I, 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 Teddy, I always thought Teddy Higuera was uh, was a pretty good player of that he era. Was awesome. right? yeah. was he, he wasn't playing yet in 82, was he? Or was no, he? No. He, no. Okay. He, he had a Diamond King around then, didn't he? I, I I didn't know if I didn't know if he had started in the league yet. I uh oh Hagara's Diamond King was in eighty five, eighty seven. Yeah, eighty seven was the Hagara twenty and eleven. What's your ball there? That, that is a that Teddy Hagara like autograph. Oh, uh, this is a foul ball. Got a Yankee or I'm sorry, County Stadium, uh, in eighty eighty eight, uh, during batting practice. I, I claim it was hit by Rob Deere, but I think that's just wishful thinking. But uh, Teddy Higuera was starting that day, and he was running laps along the outfield, and uh, he, he signed that for us. I'm looking at the whole Brewers roster, and there's some guys I didn't know. Like, I didn't know um, Kevin Bass. That was, like, his rookie year Yeah. Um, in 82. 
uh, some other guys here. Well, I guess uh, Sutton. Um, yeah, they traded. Was, yeah, Sutton. Uh, didn't you? What was yeah. that? Yeah, trade. Well, they had they got Don Sutton in '82. Yeah. Um, let's see here, because he, God, he helped Don get him in the playoffs, was... but he ultimately lost a game, the game six of the World Series okay. that, where the Brewers could have clinched. He he uh, he lost yeah. to a dude who had like who he lost to a rookie, I think, essentially. Okay. Because um, I'm looking, at, I'm thinking like Don Sutton. I I always think of like you know the '60s and '70s, so he would have been well into his career in 1982 he's 37 oh yeah he, yeah. Had, the, he had the silver curls right, right. yeah right right <laughs> yeah it was it was, it was yeah it was it was uh his silver fox years um you know another guy from that 82 series that i i have to admit i i don't know much about just because a little bit of a generational thing and i i didn't start following baseball really until about 86 or so closely ted simmons yeah, came from the Cardinals. Yeah, right. I know he would have been facing his former team because I mean, right. both you know the bulk of his career was spent in St. Louis, and then you know about five or six years in Milwaukee. That guy had a really good career. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at the numbers here, yeah. and I, I, I just I didn't know he was that good. You know, two eighty five lifetime hitter, like you know, like seven eight time All Star. Yeah, yeah. That wow. that, that trade yeah. was huge. They the the Brewers traded Sixto Lescano. And a few minor leaguers to the Cardinals for Raleigh Fingers, Pete Vukovic, and Ted Simmons. Wow, that's a yeah. major trade. That's, a, that's that's a game changer, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the Brewers came out all right on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, he comes in the year before from Milwaukee, and uh, yeah, he was. And then in '82, he was shitty hit. '83 uh, was '83 was his it was a good year. He hit .308, but yeah. Yeah, good career. I, I have to admit, I, I didn't know a ton about Ted Simmons prior to looking that up. I'd heard the name, but I just uh, didn't know. So, so know. Yount has stuck around. Uh, have any of the other players? Do they make regular appearances at the games? Uh, well, I know Jimmy Gantner has been in and out of the organization. I think he might still be in some front office, maybe thing, but he or maybe coaching some affiliate. Okay. Class A team, something. Sure. Uh, of course, Molitor's with the Twins. Yeah, Molitor's with the Twins. Uh, at, at this point, like, they're kind of running out, like, of tributes. Like, the next 82 you, World Series tribute night will be, like, the Bat Boy bobblehead giveaway. Right, like, right. This is the 1982 Bat Boy. Uh, <laughs> maybe Billy Joe Robodeau might have been somewhere on that roster. <laughs> Next to Sixto Lascano, one of the best names in baseball. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, great name, great baseball name. Actually, you know who was the back, backup catcher on the 82 Brewers was Ned Yost, Royals man. Yeah, wow, yeah. Well, yeah, and he managed the Brewers for a while too. Correct. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Shoot, he he had the Brewers. Didn't he? Didn't Ned Yost have the Brewers in first place, and he was fired? Yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's the rough. whole state felt the same thing. Though. They were going straight in the tank, and they were really like they were really nervous and stressed. Yeah, Ned can do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact: Ned's only like twenty-seven years old. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, Cecil Cooper's still alive. I looked him up. Yeah. I'm like, oh, what's what's he, he up to? Actually, my favorite player for a few years. He, 
first there. Really? Before Outer and Yount. I was I my last time to see some Cooper right away. So yeah, C- C- Cooper and, and Ogilvy, they, they were mashers even, right? Yeah. Yeah, that year Cooper hit like three thirty one with thirty three home runs, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Ogilvy hit like forty or thirty eight or something, you know. Thomas is thirty six. Yeah. Oh, look at listen. Listen to this, man. Top twenty MVP vote voting that year. Five Brewers. Jeez. Wow. Yep. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yao, Yao, Cooper, Gorman, Thomas, uh, Molitor, Fingers, Vukovic. Yeah. So. And so that that year up. was the um uh the the fourth year in a row that the National League won the World Series. And that was the first time the National League ever won the World Series four years in a row. Wow. Way to go, Milwaukee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just more mad that it was the Cardinals, but I think more than anything. <laughs> so, but take us back. So it's been 20 years now that the Brewers, since the Brewers moved to the NL, which is crazy to think that it's been 20 years. Yeah. What was that like for a team to switch leagues? That's so it strange. Really, it was strange. It felt like you're like, all right. We don't need you over here. Why don't you try over there? Because <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't have been—they wouldn't have been very good at that time, right? From the right. Jeremy Burnett's in a home run at Wrigley, though. I, I think is Jeremy Burnett's the first home run at AL player home run at Wrigley. Oh, really? Oh, you might be right. You know, they, yeah, they, that was what was inter- it was before yeah. interleague, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was inter. Yeah, that was interleague. That was interleague. Or it was, was it was pre interleague, right? I yeah. Care. Yeah, well, it was you know when the Brewers are in the AL still, and they yeah, yeah, do that. Wow, Jer- always down for Jeremy Burnett's reference. <laughs> <laughs> Another guy that spelled his name strangely. We <laughs> were talking about Jeff Jenkins earlier. Well, I, I don't know much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Jeff Jenkins just made the Brewers Wall of Fame, and Vukovic still didn't make it this year. Voting was tight. (laughs) Jenkins made it before Vukovic? Really? Not there. Although there's a debate about it, and no one sees him. I remember Jeff Jenkins had like three straight years where, like, early to mid June, he'd have like 17 home runs, be hitting like 315. And maybe 47 RBIs, and then have a game where it's like three home runs, and then severely high ankle sprain, and he's out for like a month and a half, and all that's done. I think he had five home runs in a row between two games. Wow. Maybe in like whatever year, 04, 06, mm-hmm. and then broke an ankle or something. Like three at bats in one game and two, so I do remember Jeff Jenkins having a lot of. It was streaky, kind of. He had a couple yes, of weeks there. He looks like Brett Favre, so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, I'm I'm we're, I was mentioning Cecil Cooper a minute ago. I'm 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 looking at his side by side stats with another guy that. I wasn't sure if he was on the 99 Brewers when they switched. He wasn't. But do you guys know Greg Vaughn had more home runs in his career than Cecil Cooper? Oh, Whoa. yeah. Well, Vaughn had probably was a little more longevity as a power hitter because Cooper kind of was spotty, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I just, I, yeah. I think of Cecil Cooper as being a bigger name than Greg mm-hmm. Vaughn. You know, just not looking at the stats or anything. Just, right. just you know, I, I, I think of him as a little bit more of a storied player. But uh, I'm looking here at Vaughn's numbers, and he, he played a lot longer than I thought he did. And, like, you know, had a couple of years there not on the Brewers when he was yeah. with the Padres. Yeah. When, uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, he got, like, two fourth place. He finished in the MVP top five a couple of years in a row, which I was like, huh? Yeah. I mean, I knew the dude could mash there for a couple of years. I remember him, you know, hitting some home runs. But I, I just I didn't know, you know, like, you know, he had 41 home runs in 1996. It's like, what? Anyway. Damn. <laughs> well, what? I, while we're talking about 82, I have to mention, 82 was the introduction of two future Hall of Famers. They were both rookies, and that's Cal Ripken Jr. and Ryan Sandberg. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And uh, so uh, Rhino ended up winning the Rookie of the Year that year. He had 172 hits, which is a lot for a rookie, I Damn. think. <laughs> uh, he, he raked 103 runs. One of the most impressive numbers was he had 33 doubles. I was like, wow. But um, then uh, Ripken, you know, comes in. He's from the baseball, you know, pedigree background. His dad, you know, was a player. He grew up all in it. And, like, he was always my hero, one of them as a kid, you know, because of the Iron Man thing and all that. I, I have to touch on it, though, like, have you guys heard there's like stories where like he was like I guess like kind of a dick to rookies. Who like count? I guess he got yeah, I guess he Yeah, got, I had heard that. Like yeah. he got hazed pretty hard when he was a rookie. Mm-hmm, so yeah. like like he like became like a hazer. So part of me's torn, like, damn man, did I like kind of a dickhead my whole life? <laughs> <laughs> it, it marks kind of like the Boy Scout image. Because I'd heard those stories too, Levi, like yeah. about him kind of kind of being an asshole really to, to yeah, rookies. Yeah. Um, like in a way, like a like a in a more than a um, a jovial, just kind of you know, here's well, a like, yeah, here's yeah, a dead it. fish in your locker, you know, more like yeah. this asshole, like bully, like a like, bully, like somebody who would write like, fuckface on the bottom of a bat, <laughs> 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 right before his brother takes his rookie card picture. <laughs> Have you guys ever noticed? If you ever watched the Dan Patrick show, he has one of those like autographed on his desk. Oh, oh, really? And, and it's, uh, I think if you make it out, it says, like, Billy Ripken, and then I think it says, like, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I want to I talk about one guy from 82, guys, before we, we probably switch over to music after that, but um, I, 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 there's a guy that um, played for my, my White Sox in 1982, and uh, he's, most of the time when he's, his name is broke, because he didn't have a long career, most of the time when his name is brought up in baseball, it's more about sort of a cautionary tale, you know, the cliched like, oh, don't don't be like that guy, you know. Um, and that's how kind of I remembered him even growing up because I was I was so young and like my, you know, my grandfather would talk about him. Uh, a guy by the name of Lamar Hoyt. I don't know if you guys are, are familiar with Lamar Hoyt. Um, he put together two like pretty awesome back to back seasons in 82 and 83 with the White Sox. Uh, obviously, in 83, he won the Cy Young. Um, but in 82, he won 19 games and didn't even finish in the top 10 in the Cy Young voting. Like, you win 19 games Damn. and you don't finish in the top 10 of Cy Young voting. Uh, he lost 15 games. I, I I don't know if that had a lot to do with it, but, I mean, his ERA was still low. 
Um, what pitcher is pitching? How, that that's an ungodly amount of games. I know, right? Gosh, he he. It's a lot of decisions. Games. Yeah. It's a lot of decisions. Yeah, thirty nine star, thirty nine okay. games. Uh, but you know, I mean, it was it was He's pitching deep. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was pitching uh, deep exactly. Yeah. And then that year that he won the eight, the Cy Young in eighty three, the following year. He was 24 and 10. Damn. So a ton of decisions there as well. And then the next year, God, this guy pitched a lot. He was 13 and 18, so he lost 18 games. He's probably pitching um, 250 innings a year. Yeah, yeah, he was. He had 260 during his Cy Young year. Um, but, you know, 82 for, you know, that was the start of, um, unfortunately it didn't pan out, but like what I think a lot of White Sox fans thought was going to be essentially one of the best pitchers we'd ever have. You know, sure. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's well documented, you know, history of substance abuse. And he uh, he got um, arrested like twice yeah, within a month. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was always like kind of, you know, basically before Dwight Gooden took over those headlines. He was kind of he was kind of the cautionary tale, you know, uh, <laughs> he, for, he's now immortalized forever with a line in his Wikipedia that says, Hoyt missed a start in July of 1986 after accidentally burning his back hair while attempting to light his flatulence. Uh, <laughs> so, hey, hey, we all got to be remembered for something, right? You, you, live, you live and die with those choices. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Mahler went on the DL a lot with, like, what they would say. Yeah, like, right. muscle, getting the mail, and everyone right. knows he is up partying for like five days. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Hoyt, there's uh, with, with, with Hoyt. Um, I didn't get to read it, but I saw there's a uh, vice did a piece on him. Um, vice, the website. Um, so I'll have to check that out. But yeah, for me, like that was uh, for the white Sox. We had obviously a great team in 83, but 82 was, uh, you know, sort of one of those, the start of what, you know, what might've been, you know, one of those things with Lamar Hoyt. So, yeah. Lot, yeah. Lot, sound, sounds like there were a lot of partiers in the league in the eighties. Yeah. Right. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Well, um, you know, now 1982, we're kind of shift gears here to, to music in 1982. Um, I, I, I think, I think a pretty good year for, 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 for music overall. I, I think the eighties sound that, maybe marred a little bit of that decade hadn't really come necessarily fully into vogue yet. No. no. Um, so, so you had some stuff that kind of, it still sounded like the seventies a little bit, you know what I mean? Like it kind of, it hadn't really made that shift yet. Uh, Phil Collins and the drum machine hadn't really totally taken over yet. Um, but I guess we could, we could talk a, a, about some of our records, favorite records from 82 and just kind of some of the highlights um, of it. Uh, for me, if I if I could start with just um, it's it's number of the beast came out in 1982 and um, Iron Maiden you know, uh, yeah Iron Maiden uh, you know Bruce Dickinson's first record with them um, and to me that marks basically the beginning of heavy metal entering mainstream popular music you know I mean it, like the very beginning of it because Iron Maiden was part of that. Yeah, they, they dubbed the new wave of British heavy metal, which started in the late seventies with like Motorhead and, 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 and Maiden even, you know, with killers, um, and Judas Priest, um, and even sort of when it went more mainstream with like, you know, sort of more hard rock bands like Def Leppard and 
all of that. But Maiden really, I think, I think in 1982, that that record to me sort of started, you know, like it basically put it put heavy heavy metal had been, you know, bands had made heavy metal for you know ten years before that with Sabbath and and some other bands. But that to me, that's like when heavy metal really um, became part of the kind of like the pop music vocabulary. Well, yeah, it's such a great record. Um, yeah. It oh, is, awesome. It's really well produced. And, um, you know, what's so funny now is going back and listening to that record. Like, I cranked that album all the time when, you know, driving around as I was 16 or whatever. What's so funny is those songs are so timid sounding today. Yeah. And, sure. back, and back when it was new, it was like, oh, my God, this is the devil. Yeah. Like, right. It was like people thought Iron Maiden was like the second coming of Satan. Yeah. And, and like, it's so funny to look back because I listened to that record uh, as, you know, preparing for the episode. And um, yeah, it's just so funny where how far it's come, you know. Yeah. But yeah, that and, the, you know, the artwork, they always had great artwork on their records. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Eddie. Yeah. Um, if you want to look at kind of how music was sort of harder rock was shifting, um, look at the lineup for the Reading Rock Festival from 82. It's a big British music festival. Okay. It's like Maiden, Michael Schneckner Group, Y&T, Gary Moore. It's it's killer. It's a killer lineup. But, yeah, you, that's um, that 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 festival, you know, the lineup, I think, would have looked a lot different if it was like just like a year earlier. Maiden really like broke through, you know. Yeah, yeah no, that's a great record. Um, one of the ones I was going to mention is is a record that it was Led Zeppelin's last record. And that's Coda. Coda. And it's a release, you know, that was kind of compiled of lots of different outtakes. Um, posthumous release, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, some of the outtakes I think go up to like seventy-eight or nine or eighty even. Um, and one of my favorite Zeppelin songs is on there, Wearing and Tearing. And, uh, I, you know, a lot of people bag on that record, but, you know, I don't, you know, it's tough to, you know, Led Zeppelin's Led Zeppelin. So there's got a band like that or like a band like the Beatles or the Who, there's got to be a worst record in their catalog when you release sure. so many records, you know? Right. But, um, it's I, a it's I, a compilation I, record too, yeah, you know. I've so always, I think I've I think always, you have to view it through a different yeah, lens than their yeah, other records. Yeah, I've always had a spot for that record. I didn't. I, I never thought it was bad as a lot of people people thought it was. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, I, I, like I, I'm, Paulie. I think Jonathan was telling me you're a Kiss fan, right? Uh, okay. Well, we I think we could talk about a a, a big record from 1982 for Kiss. Although it wasn't that commercially successful, it's it's become a classic in the Kiss uh, canon. The comeback, kind of. Yeah. yeah, the comeback record of Creatures of the Night. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of my favorites, man. I, I I don't know how high it ranks on your list of Kiss albums, but it's up there for it's, me. It's I well yeah, it's one of my favorites. It's kind of uh, it feels like it's a shift in the in their songwriting. Um, but it's like ahead of its time in many ways, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's like what's more of a modern, like I don't know, modern, almost kind of jamish. Like it reminds yeah. me of Humphreys McGee kind of stuff going on in there to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, but uh, like from the opening tracks of Preachers of the Night, 
the song uh, just has like six different parts that happen. Yeah, right. Yeah, multiple yeah. parts. Yeah, yeah. It, it's great drums. I mean, I think it's they a really big sound. Yeah, ever. Huge drum sound on that record with Eric Carr. Yeah, that was that was like his moment to shine. You know, I mean, uh, he uh, he had been in the band a couple of years, but you know they hadn't really. You know, his first record with Kiss was The Elder, right. which, which um, that album too. I do too. Yeah, I, I I have a definite soft spot for the Elder. Yeah. We, we've we, dedicated we, segments to that before. Yeah, we, we've talked about the Elder and it, like Jonathan and Levi. Jonathan and Levi like know a lot about the Elder, even if they don't want to, because of, <laughs> of my discussions about it. But yeah. um, eighty-two, you know, with uh, with Creatures of the Night, um, some people like Kiss. A lot of Kiss fans, you know, know this, but some other folks might not. Ace Frehley's on the cover of the record, yeah, but the he but he didn't play on the record. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's Vinny Vinny Vincent and a few other people too. Robin Ford played on it as well. Oh, right on. Yeah, it was kind of like they didn't like Vinny like hadn't from what I from what I recall, like he hadn't been named like the full time replacement right. yet. So they were just kind of like Ace wasn't into it anymore. So they were just he was contractually there, but like he you know they were just kind of trying out other people trying to just figure it out for the record. So. He's like in the like in the sound booth, just like doing coke or whatever. He's like, ah, I just played the guitar, guys. That's probably not far from the truth. Yeah, um, <laughs> he got a, he's got a car accident. Yeah, that came yeah. off. And yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, and also Kiss's last record with uh, with makeup on until you know until the yeah. reunion. So it's an important record in history, I think, if you will. Yeah, it was my first concert. Oh, really? You went to that uh, tour. Yeah, I went to that tour. They had the big tank and Wendy O. Williams and the Plasmatics. Opened. No shit! Wow, uh, you okay? Did you go to the Milwaukee show or which? No, which... they came to Lacrosse. I lived in Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Nice, nice. And, yeah. So, like, did, let me ask you: Did you know, like, Vinnie Vincent was going to be on stage? No, I heard like some people I like didn't know. Confused. I was confused as a little kid because the. They had like a yellow papered uh, flyer up yeah. for the tour around lacrosse, and it was Vinnie Vincent. I hadn't seen him yet. And I didn't oh, see him. okay. And I'm like, and I remember thinking, like, well, they sure didn't get Ace Frehley's makeup right in this poster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then after that, I like found out because the you know I, the the show was probably announced you know like five months before, and yeah, so actually then I. I uh, I realized that Ace wasn't in the band anymore. Yeah, and, and yeah. I, I listen to this podcast called Three Sides of the Coin. It's a Kiss podcast, <laughs> and it's it's it, it's entertaining. Um, and they were saying those guys were all like, I think like maybe like teenagers or so when that tour happened, and you know that was pre-internet, um, and you know media coverage like. In 82, Kiss's popularity had yeah. dropped off quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so, like, they were, you know, they were looking for a comeback and um, kind of struggling to transition to the 80s. But uh, they said, like, you know, it just blew their minds because they had no idea that that Ace was going to be replaced. They got there. They're like, what? What the hell's going on? You know, who is this guy in makeup? Who is this guy in different makeup? Yeah. <laughs> he got an awkward moving, although Ace isn't exactly a... A uh, graceful man, but Vinny Vincent is even less graceful yeah. <laughs> moving around the stage. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, he, he was definitely yeah, like a Mick, him and Mick Moores kind of have the same like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> good point yeah. <laughs> yeah totally 
Those guys play similar looking guitars too, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Mick Myers, yeah. no one has seen Mick Myers and Vinnie Vincent in the same room at the same time. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Both handsome men as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the crew actually eighty two, I think the crew opened up a few shows on that tour of Creatures oh. of the Night. Oh. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. So I listened yeah, to the for the yeah go ahead just for the first two times this week i listened to it for the first time and um and the second track i, I noticed is, is uh, uh, uh center and saint is that it yeah saint center yeah saint center and i and i remarked to myself oh it's the name of a rory gallagher album song and um right. and then but and just this is just a remark apropos of nothing almost but gene simmons sounds like rory gallagher on the song vocally hmm. Um, mm. That is Gene yeah. singing, I, I believe. On yeah, track. it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, just a, a little note. Next time you listen to it, it sounds a bit like Rory okay. Gallagher vocally. Mm. Yeah, I'm a huge Rory fan. I'll have yeah. to uh, go. Yeah. So, like, what, what did you what did you think of the record? Gets as being like you know I know I enjoyed it. it was, yeah, yeah. Good. I mean I thought it was yeah. like what I expected it to be. Sure. And, yeah. Uh, and and. So that was good. I think that was fine. Um, I know oh. that Pitchfork didn't care for it too much, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> <No. laughs> oh, oh, I, I know. Those, I know all yeah. them are huge Kiss fans at Pitchfork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I think Robert Christigau was mad about it or something. But <laughs> darn it! Um, I was going to mention really quick um, two bands that had albums come out that year that. Um, were kind of like bands that were kind of bringing in and heralding an old sound. Okay. And that's, that's the Stray Cats and the Blasters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Stray, the Stray Cats Built for Speed came out that year, and mm. um, the Blasters had a live album called Over There Live in London, which came out in 82. And actually, the Blasters' first self-titled record didn't come out till like, late December of 81. So Is that the one that's got the painting of, like, the guy screaming that, on that's it? That's his yeah, face. Right. Yeah, that's okay, the yeah. face. Right. He's like, ah! Yeah. It's like a, it's like an updated uh, King Crimson, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like the right? Same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, man, it's just cool that, um, you know, those bands were were getting... Where people were showing up, you know what it's I mean? Like a, it was like a late 50s, early 60s. Yeah, because it blew, like, n- nowadays I'm like, man, if, like, two bands tried to play that now, I bet, like, 100 people would show up or something. But, like, yeah. these these two bands sold, like, millions of records. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a cool uh, it's a cool influence that, uh, you know, was, like you said, you know, wasn't really prominent at that time. Um, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, that Blasters record particularly. Um, a couple, I I mean, I think like I got it sort of got into some bands later, you know, they were bands that I think always had critical acclaim, but I never really listened to them growing up. Um, a couple good records from that year. I like the ecstasy record. Um, it's got settlement in the title. Is it what English settlement or, um, anyway, the, whatever the ecstasy record that came out in 82, I think is really good. And then also uh, ABC's Lexicon of Love, which is kind of a concept album. I think those are both pretty, pretty dense works. Um, you know, uh, the, those those are two of my favorites also from that year. Gabe, you, you uh, suggested the, uh, um, uh, Van Morrison's Beautiful Vision. Yeah, yeah. And that was, uh, I really enjoyed that. And yeah. it was, uh, gosh, what, what was the track on there? Was it Cleaning Windows, I think? Yeah, yeah, Cleaning Windows is a good tune. 
And that, that's yeah. the one with, um, uh, it turns out, uh, Mark Knopfler. Uh, play oh, yeah. yeah. But I'm listening to it. I'm like, uh, man, this really has like a Grateful Dead vibe to it, this song. <laughs> and and But no, Mark Knopfler plays guitar, so it's definitely not Mark Knopfler, but it turns out it's Rob Wasserman on bass. Uh, oh, okay. So I, I was Brad not dog. wrong in yeah. thinking that for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that, uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it almost sounds like Britt Midland could have played on that record too. I, I don't think he did, but, um, yeah, I not Fleur, Dire Straits had a great record that year with Love Over Gold. Oh, oh great yeah. record, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that's that's one of my favorites. I like ballsy move too. Like, hey, let's 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 release a 14 minute single. You know, like <laughs> right on. Yeah, <laughs> over yeah. Telegraph Road. Yeah, it's a very moody record too. Yeah, for sure. You know, it sets a tone. Yeah, I mean, it's got that one song that's kind of polka y in the middle. Well, I forgot what it's called. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the third yeah. track. But the rest of it, you oh, know, industrial is disease. very, yeah, yeah, industrial disease. Yeah. The rest of it, though, is like very moody. You know, it's yeah. like yeah. it's like it's it's like a total contrast to the record that would Brother in Arms come out right after that, or did they have anything in between? Uh, anyway, um, no, well, they had a um, they had an EP come out in '83, and then uh, uh, may have been. No, well, hold on, I can't find it right now. I mean, that, to me, like those two records are just—they're you know, such just a different vibe and tone. I mean, obviously, one much more commercially successful than the other, but uh, it—they're—it's almost At, like it's almost Love like Over, the Nebraska. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say after Love Over Gold was Alchemy, which was a live album, and then Brothers in Arms was after it. Oh, okay, 85. all right. So yeah, I mean, it was a few years. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no studio albums between the two, but it's—it no. almost kind of reminds me of like. You know, Nebraska being such a moody record from 82. Right, right. And then after Nebraska, right, you've got Born in the USA three years later, right? Well, honestly, it, like, it comes off almost as like the record companies being like, yeah, the last two didn't sell. Could we, right, get, some stuff, right. could we get some stuff to play on the radio, guys? And, and <laughs> dire Straits and Bruce Springsteen Good came point. back with two of their biggest records. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Producer's like, okay, guys, we got, we're going to have some really bad computer animation in the video. The song that's about <laughs> microwaves, go. <laughs> if you could work in refrigerators, we'll get extra money from Maytag. Stick it in here and save it at the end. You better bring staying at the end. It's the only thing that's going to save this record. <laughs> So one uh, uh, an, an album uh, again to be late to the party uh, for me that I really enjoyed listening to several times over the last two weeks was was Michael Jackson's Thriller. Uh, oh yeah, great! I had never great really up. sat uh, down and listened. Uh, to that, never, that one that one doesn't ring a bell, Gats. Honestly, I bet if you told records. a lot of people that album was from 1982, a lot of people would probably think it's maybe like 83, 84, even, yeah, yeah, sure, even 85. You know yeah. what I mean? He wrote that record for damn near most of the decade. Yeah. Yeah. Right from yeah. The and he, he, he toured on it for, you know, three years, essentially, I think as well. I think that like bad, the album bad and all the hits from that, uh, mm -hmm. that like that's, those are well, like a combined album. I was surprised talking about, thriller with people how they really had no idea what songs are on it except for thriller right. they, they got that and bad all mixed up oh, it's, it's, yeah it's a normally you know the number one selling album but i don't think people 
know a lot about it. That's a good point. And I, you know, so, to be on the singles. Yeah. Like like you said, McCartney's on there twice. Yeah, oh, he's on the girl is mine, right? Yeah. Say, mine. say, say. Oh no, yeah. That's not on there, is it? Is that that's not on there? I think say say say. say is a, I think McCartney say 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 is a McCartney single, isn't it? Shit. Um, I don't know. I I I just assume. Yeah, that. it was on Pipes of Peace. Ah. Oh, okay. See, see, I'm one of those people. You're what you've been know. talking to those people too long, Polly. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but it, no, it, 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 it it starts off with "Wanna Be Starting Something," which is just like awesome. one of the most. Uh, yeah, dude, that song is so well yeah. produced. And as, as someone who's into like the, uh, I consider myself an audiophile, and one of the best things I ever did was I found one of the real first pressings from the first masters of that record, and dude, that song sounds amazing. Yeah, if you if you have a good system. And dude, it just yeah, that's just, like the start of the whole thing. It's, l- yeah. Listen to it on headphones, even, and you, you oh, hear yeah. the you hear the funky vegetables in both the ears, just like oh, coming yeah, out dude, of nowhere. Yeah. Or... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're a vegetable. Yeah. yeah I like it too, man. It's it's like a it's kind of a longer tune too. It's like a six minute single, you know. It's yeah, just like yeah, he was he was he was writing his own rules, man. You know, I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. And plus, like you know, like just listen to like the baseline in Billy Jean too. It's just fucking mm-hmm. off the chain. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. I, one of the cool things is okay. I have um, I have the twelve inch record, and I think I mentioned this before, maybe to you guys one time, but that song I had always noticed on that Thriller vinyl that if you look at it, you can see a pattern, and what it is is it's the bass. The bass in huh. that song is so heavy that when it's mastered, it creates like a pattern on the disc. And well, I found the 12 inch single of Billie Jean. So it's mm-hmm. essentially the one song on one side. Mm-hmm. So it's got, it's got that much room to do the song. So you can really see the pattern yeah. of the bass in it. Awesome. And when you're playing it, it spins and it looks like a pinwheel going around. It like moves. Whoa. Yeah, it's it's that song has it was one of the songs I think that gave like masters and engineers like the biggest fits when they first mastered it. Wow, just trying to fit yeah, it the, it. yeah, yeah, the bass is so heavy on that song. Wow. Wow. But it, it, near close to the end of the album, probably my favorite song on there is Human Nature. Oh yeah, oh, great yeah. tune for that tune. Yeah, dude. What and a lot of people that song. If you if you took away the the words to that song, you know what it sounds like? Toto, because it was Toto. Yeah, Steve Lukather is on it, dude. Steve Picaro oh. and and Steve Picaro, Steve Lukather. To, most of the guys in Toto were the backing oh. band on a lot of Thriller. Oh. Yep, yep. He had like I mean, there's like 900 people play on that album. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like, well, obviously, you know, the guitar's one of the most famous guitar solos of the 80s, yeah. you know, with Eddie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think Knopfler's on there at some point, too. <laughs> <laughs> he was a busy dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can't we can't finish 82 without, we gotta mention um, 1999, Prince. Yeah, right. Dude, that yeah. album was also, like, the, Prince with, you know, 99 and Thriller, MJ, it was just like... 
We we had it pretty good at '82. We didn't do it. Oh, for pop, it's like it's like it's perfect pop music. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's it's like it's poppy, but it's like musically it's really dense too. You know, uh, I mean, yeah. there's oh, yeah. production wise, there's a lot going on. It's uh, for for I guess what what you can when I think of the word pop music, that's 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 the cream of the crop right there. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, good stuff. Uh, Another one uh, we got to mention is Duran Duran Rio. That was a Rio, Rio came out in '82. Rio okay. came out in '82. Man, that album was great. Huh. Ah, I, 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 th- I thought that would have been maybe a year or two later, huh? Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. Golden era of pop. Yeah. Um, some <laughs> other stuff I, I enjoyed discovering for the first time for me, at least the waitresses. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow, I, I like what boys like. Right? Um, the Phil Lynott album, his solo record. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot uh, about that one. It's pretty good. Um, Is Gary Moore on that record, too? He may be, because he was, I think, playing with Thin Lizzy around that time, wasn't he? Yeah, that would have been, like, uh, like near, like, the end of Thin Lizzy, you know, if if it was, like, Thunder and Lightning, their last record, or I I don't know. But anyway. No, he's not credited on the album, no. Okay. Mark Knopfler is, though. No, <laughs> He's believe nine. it or not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I uh, I had listened to for the first time. I listened to it on the way home, um, and the kids didn't seem to mind it. I don't know. They didn't. They didn't yeah. like. They didn't say turn this off. Barrett didn't or anything. I listened to Robert Plant's solo record today on the ride home. I think it's. I think it's called Pictures at Eleven. Okay. I think something like that. It's better than I thought it would be. Right it's better than expected. Yeah. So, uh, Gabe, I, I, I also listened to, uh, to uh, Cat People. One that you had recommended a while ago. Did I? Okay. I, I vaguely, I vaguely remember recommending that. Sorry. I, I, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's decent, but I, uh, I, okay. It's the I, uh, I, Giorgio I, Moroder. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. That is a good. That is a really good record from yeah, that year. Yeah. 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 Polly, did you have any you wanted to share? Uh, as well as Ryan, like he's going through stuff that that uh, well, that was eighty one and eighty three. I get oh here down unders from uh, by Men at Works eighty two. Yeah, it is a good record. That's a great yeah. record. Uh. New World Man by Rush. That's also a good one. I don't know. I, I, my vivid thing was that Kiss album was like the my introduction into loving music. So that's definitely a big 82 thing for me. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Did it's you have a bit of artwork on that cover too, man. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. blue. Yeah. Yeah. I have the picture disc of it. <laughs> oh, nice. And the reason I have to ask is because, you know, well, not that you would have had a CD player in 1982, but the CDs uh, were started to be produced in 1982. Ah. Uh, oh, yeah. They were hella expensive, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was like, what was the CD player then? Like a thousand bucks? 800 bucks. Yeah. yeah eight, eight, eight to a thousand. Monopoly games were like a thousand dollars then. That's why Tefire we've come as technology. <laughs> <laughs> Now I can play it free on my phone. Yeah, boom! Take that, Parker Brothers. <laughs> we showed those guys. Then a Milton Bradley. Um, <laughs> Way to tie it back into baseball, Milton Bradley. 
Yeah, right. There's a troubled soul. Jesus. Go figure. Milton Bradley was such an asshole. Uh, the the uh, apple exceeded the talent. <laughs> he was he was I, uh, kind of good, but yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I mean he, he had flashes. Years. He had flashes. Yeah. I think one. I think one was with like Oakland. Was that like his best time or, or Cleveland? Maybe right, Oakland. I, I, yeah. Oakland, yeah. probably. Yeah. 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 Um, well, cool, man. Nineteen eighty-two. Yeah. yeah, we'll put some. Oh, I, I, I got some I, playlists. I got one more too. I got one more. Um, okay. I was talking about, you know, Robert Plant's solo record from that year, um, better than expected. A great solo record from that year, I Love the Nightfly by Donald Fagan. Um, it, it, it sounds, I mean, you know, when you, when you hear him, you're like, oh, it's a Steely Dan record. Um, and it, 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 it's, it, obviously it does sound like that, but I... I'm just kind of like a Fagan can do no wrong type of guy. Oh, no. uh, so, I love the record. I think it's a great record. I think it's a very safe record. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I mean, it, like, I don't think he was going outside the box at all. It was, I think, I, I think it was basically like, I have these songs for the next Steely Dan record. Oh, okay. We're not doing that. And, and, and it's my record. Yeah. And I, I don't know, you know, Steely Dan, Steely Dan, I think wrote a lot that didn't go on records, you know, I right? mean, like, cause yeah. You know, they spent they spent so many like, you know, they they spent a lot of time making Gaucho, you know, which was just two years earlier. Um, so, yeah, it, it's possible that like, who knows, those those might have been Steely Dan songs that he he carried over. You know, I'd, I'd have to look at a little more of the backstory of of the record. But no, but, It is a really good record. And I like the con- it's kind of a concept record. Yeah, you know it is. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's uh, I love the noirish cover with yeah. him on it as well. You know, uh, he he's he's just such a smart dude, and he's always got lyrically he's just a flipping weirdo. You know, and I mean if you listen to some Steely Dan lyrics, oh, yeah. you're like, huh? Yeah. Um, Cobalt cigarettes. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I love just the old time. I love the album cover. You know, I love just the him in front of the old time microphone. The cigarettes, player. the yeah. turntable. It's just every, everything about it. Like just totally. It's just it's it's a perfect cover for that record. You know, I mean, it's so good. So it almost got like a Tom Waits look to the cover of it. Right, know? right. It could yeah. go for a Tom Waits record. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So nice. I had to get it. I, I had to get Fagan in there at the end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. was fun. Man. I thought of one last uh, Christmas yeah. night thing that I, probably, I wanted to share is yeah. The, the producer of that album confused me as a kid as well. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> My, yeah. Michael, Michael James Jackson. Michael James Jackson. I know. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like, oh, Michael Jackson produced this? It's all the James. <laughs> good good producer. He's the one that, like, brought out the Eric Carr drum sound on that record. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah he, he uh, it up as well afterwards, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, he did. He did do look it up too. Yeah, um, yeah. That's I like. That's Creatures of the Night is my favorite record of 1982. It's like it's it's not like the best record of 1982, right. but there's there's always a difference between best and favorite with me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like I get it. Nebraska's saying a little more than Creatures of the Night. You know, I get that. But but like but like I'll take the Creatures is Creatures is still my favorite. So, right. yeah. Good deal. I'm with you. Yeah. 
Um, well, actually, Paulie, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit before we go, man, about uh, about your project with uh, the the People's Band? Uh, well, it's a it's a fun uh, endeavor. I feel very fortunate to be a part of. I, it happened after moving to Madison. There's an established band uh, with a lot of blues and um, soul R and B, like a state awards and stuff. Even uh, okay. Belt. Um, and I joined the band, and that me being kind of a trigger proggy jam band kind of fan, but it's taken, it's going from like a funky R and B sound to adding a little bit of like rock, a little bit more rock and kind of jammy sound to it. And we're oh. just released a new album, um, like I said, Love Electric on iTunes. You can find it and and whatnot. Um, I even have a, a writing credit on the album, nice, nice. Uh, uh, which is like a jammy funk song. But uh, yeah, it's it's really fun. We got an eight-piece band with a few other extra guests on the album. Very cool. Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah, everyone to tell everybody at home, check it out at peoplebrothers.com. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah, check it out. Pick up the album on iTunes or the disc. And uh, yeah, like them on Facebook as well. So... Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, so wanted to remind everybody as well with uh, with our handles, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Rock in Chew. That's N as in the Nightfly. Um, so yeah, you can find us on on Twitter and Instagram at Rock in Chew. You can go to the website rockchew.com. You can find every single episode we've ever recorded, um, as well as just kind of some fun stuff that we've done on the shows with different links and. Things like that. So check that out at, at rockchew.com. You can like us on Facebook as well. Um, and we'd like to thank Paulie Matusik for hanging out with us. Check out uh, the People Brother People's Brothers Band and go Brewers this year. You know, yeah. uh, give uh, give make 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 old Levi a little anxious this year. All right. I already so. am, man. I already am. <laughs> it's the negative Cub fan in me. Yeah. So it's be fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think probably our next episode will be. You know, we've spring training started, and we might be probably doing our predictions episode soon. So I want to tell everybody to look forward to that as well. Um, So, yeah, we'll see where the Brewers fall into the scheme of things in 2018. So until next time, uh, thanks for tuning in to episode number 89. Thanks again for Pauly Matusik for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time. Mama say mama sama makusa.